Welcome to the RPGs podcast where we talk about everything tabletop RPG related, mainly with a focus on Dungeons and Dragons for the edition, but we like a little bit of everything around here. In this episode, we're going to be continuing my uh, overview discussion into approaches of building homebrew, creating homebrew. We've already started with this series talking about how to create a magic item. So let's level up a little bit. You know, the next step is normally how to create a, a monster or an encounter, but that requires a bit more thorough research and things. So I thought what we'll do instead for now is we're going to talk about the first thing that I think people would consider like, wow, like I've created some homebrew for my players to use. And that is starting to create player character options, namely creating a subclass. So a brief overview for those who don't know, I mean, you're listening to a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, I'm sure you're aware. The class situation is obviously you choose your player race, you choose your background, you choose your class, and then the main other bit of further customization comes from choosing your subclass. Now, your subclass is an interesting one to start off with creating because really you'd think that it's easier than creating a class, which it is, but it's interesting because in of itself it creates a new category for comparison. Classes, you know, you can compare a ranger to a wizard, but you very clearly know, people know like, okay, cool, well, you can't really compare the ranger to the wizard because they do different things. You know, you can't be like, oh, the wizard is more powerful. But, you know, if you think about like the one-on-one damage, the ranger can has great potential there as well. So you it's difficult to make those kinds of comparisons. Even when you're creating a whole homebrew class, you can compare it to some of the classes to see them make sure it's balanced broadly. But for the most part, each class is kind of going to try and do a separate thing as we kind of discussed with the Blood Hunter discussion way back when. But when it comes to creating a subclass, very clearly you have other things to compare it to. And because you're just creating new ways for that class to do the thing that class wants to do for the most part, sure, you can maybe provide a bit more variety. But for the most part, you're creating a, another option within an umbrella that the class already presents. If we look at like the fighter, for instance, the fighter is the martial character of all martial characters. So if you are comparing subclasses, you can compare the battle master to, say, the rune knight. Um, because at the end of the day, they broadly do the same thing. They are tanks slash DPS, and maybe one will give more options. Um, the guys on RPG bot mentioned that there's more buttons to push, which is which is an interesting way to think about it. But you know, you might get more buttons to push, but for the most part, you're still doing the same thing. Each of the subclasses is still doing the same thing, just in a different way. So that's why it's both an easier thing to create than saying creating a whole class but also a more challenging one because you can quite easily compare it so you know we'll start off by saying as i do with the, all discussions regarding creating homebrew is the first question you always ask is why you, are you creating this homebrew why do you want to create a homebrew subclass is it because you want to capture a specific fantasy that you feel like the other classes, other subclasses and classes can't match? Because you can always start off with another subclass and re-flavor re, uh, it, maybe edit a couple of things here or there. 
But if that doesn't suit the fantasy that you're trying to achieve, if that goal is not satisfied by doing that, well then, homebrew is your friend. So how do I start off by creating homebrew? So the first thing I like to do is I like to think, am I creating a fantasy or am I creating a class-specific fantasy? Because then it always pretty much helps you to decide, Are you do you need to create a whole class for this or could it just be a subclass? Because oftentimes you'll find, wow, like you've done all this work and you go back and you look at it and you're like, this is a fighter with more steps. Why don't I just use a subclass for the fighter? Or I've created all this extra, all these extra mechanics for uh, like transforming and things like a whole class around transforming into aberrations or something. And you look at it and you're like, could I not just have made this a druid subclass? So that's something to take into account first is am I creating a specific fantasy? And yeah, so that's, that's the first thing. Then the second thing I think of is, Cool. You've decided you're going to make a subclass. Are you creating it because you want to create a subclass for a particular class? Because that keeps in mind then what fantasy and what elements of the class that you want to keep at the forefront of your design. If you're going to be using the druid, you're like, cool, I like the idea of a, a subclass to do with nature. Um, we'll be discussing druids in a little bit. I want to make a druid that is all about the ocean because you're like, oh, that makes sense. A character that the character fantasy to do with the ocean and the seas and you want them to be in touch with nature. So it makes sense for them to be a druid subclass. Fantastic. Then you look at how the druid works. The druid uses wild shape as a resource and it is a full spellcaster. Which of those two things are you going to lean into? Are you going to lead into the spellcasting element and maybe make it that you could have your spells be uh, edited or, or augmented by the powers of the ocean? Or are you going to make it that your wild shape can be used for other things? Your wild shape can be used every time you turn into a creature that has a swim speed, you can also double your swim speed and do an extra 2d8 damage each time or something like you know what I mean as you're empowered by the ocean so once you've decided that you're doing it specifically for one class in particular it's always good to look at what makes that class unique if we use another example we look at rogues now rogues obviously their core feature is sneak attack so what you could do is you could create the rogue in such a way that it gives you more options and more things to do with your sneak attack. I had always like toyed with the idea of like a like a time snatcher rogue that has like time altering magic and making it like they've got their own little uh, resource, like a D6 die that can influence like how far back and forward in time you're able to go each turn and how it make that amplify the sneak attack because you're able to go forward and to go back in time to sneak attack them again and, and add an extra number of D6s equal to the number rolled or something like that. But then not only must you think about what mechanic is core to that class, but you also got to think of what fantasy is core to that class. 
There's a reason that I said an ocean-themed character could fit being a druid. Because the fantasy of a druid is a character that's in touch with nature. A character with very nature-centric magic. So, of course, you would want to be... You could create a character that links to the ocean. Could also maybe be a cleric linking to the ocean. An ocean domain cleric. You know, in touch with, like, the wild side of nature but has a respect and a reverence and almost like a worshipping relationship with the gods of the sea and stuff. And that will very much, I feel like an ocean domain cleric will feel very different to a circle of the ocean druid. Their core fantasy or their core themes of each subclass are similar, but because of the class that they're linked to, they feel very different. So that's just something to think of. That's something to to keep in mind when you're deciding on what class to make a subclass for and whether to make a subclass or not. I think what's important to think about is if you're creating homebrew for your game, for your home game specifically, is to think, is it worth it? Is it worth not just adding a feature here or there to help your player to achieve what they want to achieve? Or editing a feature here or there. At the end of the day, it's your home game. You know, you, you can really do what you want as long as the players are all on board. Use an example in my home game. The Paladin, well, was a gunslinger turned Paladin, was Oath of Vengeance. And then as he got more and more uh, down a dark path, he fully became a homebrewed subclass that I created called Oath of the Blackened Heart. Now... Initially, that started out in my head as I'm just going to adjust his spell list to make it that he has access to more specific quote-unquote oath spells because of what's happening in the game. Because I'm me, I then decided to rather make an entire new subclass. But what I'm getting at is that's not nece- that's not really necessary to achieve the fantasy that your players might want to and hope to achieve. So just keep that in mind that sometimes the long route isn't always the best route. But with enough of the overview, with enough of the the broad things to consider, let's talk about how to kind of go into it. We're going to be using a unreleased subclass. Uh, it may go through a lot of changes before it reaches uh, drive through RPG shelves. Um, but the one I've created called the Circle of Dawn Druid. So I really I thought about the Circle of the Moon many months ago and thought. I mean, look, the, the 1D&D stuff, they're really trying to go into like moon magic. But I always envisioned Circle of the Moon as being uh, symbolic of transformation and like lycanthropy and things like that. I never really considered it as like moonlight magic. So with that in mind, I thought, what about the sun? What about sunlight magic and everything that's supposed to represent? So I created the Circle of the or Circle of Dawn Druid. Circle of the Sun, I guess, is also an alternative name. But now, as I said, you've decided, well, I've decided in this case what subclass I'm creating. And why? Because I wanted to uh, explore a certain theme that isn't really explored right now. Circle of the Moon doesn't deal with light magic, at least in uh, the 2014 rules. So I thought, what druid class or druid subclass could I use to create this like these themes of light magic and everything that the sun could possibly represent? So with that in mind, I looked at druids. I looked at some other druid subclasses, things to compare it to. 
And that's always a good place to start. How do the other subclasses already look? So I think a good example would be to look at the... Uh, I don't really like looking at the original things that are in like the 2014 Players Handbook because oftentimes those are quite outclassed by more recent subclasses. So look at the Circle of Wildfire as just like a comparison, just to kind of see level by level. And that's a really nice way to create, to create homebrewers, to compare as you go. You think, okay, for starters, I mean, I'm always looking to see what level do druids get features? Cool. So at level two, when you choose your druids uh, circle, you get access to your druid spell list. Cool. And you also get your main core feature for the subclass. Then at level six, you get another feature. Level 10, you get another. And level 14, you get another. And how I like to kind of do it is I like to think about, for most subclasses, I like to think first level, you get your core feature that makes it specific for that subclass. Then your next time you get a subclass feature, because most classes give you four features or features at four different levels. So I like to think, okay, cool. Initially, you get the core feature. The next time you get a subclass feature, it's an amplified version of the first. Cool. Then the next time you get a feature, it's it's related to the first feature, but it's big. It's something that's powerful. Because by the time you get level 10, most, subclass, like most campaigns aren't going to reach level 10 and above. Level 10 is maybe like the the maximum for a lot of campaigns, if that. So I like to give almost like a little mini capstone sometimes at level 10, just to make it like you've reached halfway. You're halfway into becoming the best version of this class that you can be. Here's a reward. And then at the highest level, your capstone, I either want to give something that's even bigger version of the previous little capstone, or I further amplify the core feature. So, and then I just compare back and forth and I think, okay, is this on par with what's been offered? So Circle of Wildfire allows you to create a wildfire spirit by using your wild shape as a resource. You can instead, instead of wild shaping, you can spend a use of that wild shape and summon this little familiar, this little fire familiar, and it gets stronger as you go. So what I did for Circle of the Dawn is firstly obviously you get access to your spell list that's easy peasy i give it its core feature i call them solar beams so at second level you gain the ability to project the sun's rays in all of its forms to aid you and your allies so as a bonus action you can expand wild shape and you create this column of light 10 feet radius 30 60 feet high you choose what type of beam it is, either Radiant Dawn, Searing Noon, and Twilight Glow, each of which will influence the playstyle. So Radiant Dawn, and you can choose when you use it. Radiant Dawn boosts your healing when you when you uh, when you when when a creature is inside uh, this beam of light that you've created, uh, which lasts for up to about ten minutes. Um, it gains more healing when it's in Searing Noon. This very hot. Uh, blistering that that really uncomfortable uh, midday heat it deals an additional a creature that's hit with an attack that you decide deals ex- takes extra radiant damage and lastly twilight glow is this uh, comforting glow of a light already set creates a mystical soft orange and blue beam of light any creature starting their turn in this light gets kind of like this rejuvenation of like 
the days over kind of thing the rejuvenating power of like how relaxed and calm you feel at the end of a at the end of the day then while the sun is setting um so they get to have a boost their movement speed and then any creature that you don't designate is like boosted by this light uh gets slower by 10 feet and so on so compare so those three things are comparative to something like instead of using wild shape to wild shape using a wild shape as a resource to create a fire a little fire um familiar or uh, entering your druid your spore uh, starts or whatever it's called spore form so immediately you can see where i'm going with this it's i've created i've set up the core feature that's going to be the thing that follows through in this subclass by looking at the core feature of the druid and first deciding what fantasy what themes do i want to get across with this subclass what themes and fantasy and stuff comes across in druid and how do i mix those together to create something new with my own new subclass so level six uh like i said before this is when i I now like try to amplify and boost the core feature i've already given so now um when you cast a spell you can it gives people uh healing light and uh, they also glow uh, in this case, I didn't make it really linked. I didn't make it linked completely to the to the to the rays of light, um, but it is it's still linked to the core uh, idea of being the support kind of a character. Uh, it deal, your healing magic now can be amplified not only by putting your players by putting your um, party into your light while casting healing spells but even if you're trying to heal someone and then heal someone else that's not in your light you're able to give them that boost that still comes across uh the themes of using the light using sun uh, to heal people we get to our level 10 feature and like i said this is where i kind of try and think about capstones and little mini capstones so what i had was a thing called the sun cycle at 10th level you've become adept at using the sun's power in its many forms uh, when taking a short rest you can attempt to become a miniature beacon or avatar of the sun emitting solar energy and cycling through a full day in one hour roll a d20 on a 15 or higher you and any creatures resting with you are granted the effects of a long rest on a 14 or lower you are unable to maintain the cycle long enough to grant your allies the effects of a long rest and you are denied the effects of a short rest once you use this you can't use it again for 1d10 days big risk but very big reward if you're nearing the end of the day and you go for a, you've got people that can give you like advantage on this run rolls or uh, you got lucky and things like that. Or maybe you have a divination wizard on your team. Huge. Go through a short rest and suddenly you have a long rest instead. And everyone's got all their spell slots, including you back. But big risk. You literally have a 75% chance of it not working. But it's like a mini capstone. It's something huge. It's like... It's on par with what a level 10 feature should be. Now, of course, when you compare this to the other one that we're using to compare the Circle of Wildfire, now it's got this thing called Cauterizing Flames. You can turn magical flames, you can turn death into magical flames that can heal or incinerate. When creatures die near you or your wildfire spirit, uh, it creates this harmless spectral flame. When a creature you can see enters that space of that flame, you can use your reaction to extinguish the flame and either damage or heal that creature. So 
not big capstone vibes, but still furthering the... This is almost now like the second feature, the feature that is not necessarily linked entirely to the wildfire spirit and boosting the wildfire spirit itself, but rather helping to create a play style that amplifies using the wildfire spirit. And then lastly, for me, for my level 14 feature, I further amplified the three beams of light. Now that they're now they're bigger, you can gain uh, you more people can be affected by them at any one time. While you're within a solar beam, you gain a fly speed equal to movement speed, and any creatures you designate within the beam are immune to blinded and frightened. Also, when you create a beam, you glow with this very bright light, and those within 30 feet of you must uh, make a con save or be blinded by you. So. The thing is with capstones, it's interesting because capstones with subclasses, you've sometimes in a lot of classes, like think about Druid, you're level 14, you've still got six levels to go afterwards before you're reaching level 20, which is technically your major capstone. But do you really capstone the subclass? Because the subclass isn't going to get more beyond this. So make the subclass the best version of itself. Why not? You know? And then that's the major benefit. But then each little uh, sunbeam gets a little boost radiant dawn now you get initial 2d8 healing but also uh, recover more hp equal to the wisdom modifier whenever whenever you cast a spell and heal someone within the radius which is going to be more common now because your radius is so big searing noon uh, whenever you have a creature with an attack while they're within this beam they not only take extra 2d8 radiant damage but they also take additional damage equal to wisdom modifier small little boost but that's not the major thing the major thing is the blinding the increased size of the beams your fly speed and everything like that so really when you get to your capstone think about your subclass is almost it's a little class in of itself it's only got four features. So I'm a big fan of making the fourth feature strong because they're not going to get a fourth, a fifth feature or a sixth feature. And as you, I don't know, I don't think any classes have more than four uh, subclass features. But that's really how to go about creating a subclass. And then what's interesting or what's important to do afterwards is then to compare and test it. We've used this and we've compared to the wildfire spirit, but maybe comparing to something that's a bit more for support because that's really what the subclass is. It's a support subclass. Compare it to that. You can really compare it to every other subclass because people compare the subclasses to each other, not just the homebrew ones. I mean, how often have you heard conversations about like fighter subclasses and people being like champion just gets completely outclassed by a battle master and all these other things. So definitely compare yourself, compare what you've written, compare what you've created to other subclasses. And what you can also do is if you really want to compare beyond to other classes and their subclasses, that's a bit more difficult because Druid is very different to Fighter. They do different things. They have different goals. Druid on paper might be stronger. Fighter in practice might deal more damage in combat. But at the end of the day, what you're creating is supposed to serve a purpose if that purpose is to create more options for this class that you want to create a specific fantasy for make sure you've achieved that 
if I look at this circle of dawn druid at the end and go, oh, okay, cool. I've created this whole thing. It compares well to the other classes. Great. But what was my goal with creating this? Well, my goal was to create a druid that thematically linked to the sun and was more of a support that was able to do a bit of crowd control and healing and support, not deal damage itself necessarily because it's supposed to be the sun that's amplifying others and allowing others to grow and gain energy and things. Have I done that? I think I did. I'm happy. That's what you really want at the end of the creating of your subclass. Otherwise, if you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve, you've just created something that fits in with a class or a subclass, take it back to the drawing board. It's okay to have a couple of drafts. But that's it for this episode of the RPGs podcast. Cheers. Cheers.